0: Okay, let's uh, finish up getting your goodies and coffee. Pastor Grady, you got your microphone on? Would you want to come up and introduce uh, some of our new members? And uh, pretend you're Johnny Carson and we'll roast them. That's how we scare them away right after we get you. Roast
1: them. Um, Let's see. I see Ed. Becky's over there. Would you guys want to come up here? Do we have another one? You know what you
0: should do. I know I know uh, one of them has a uh, son that's a member here. Yeah. I'm sure he has some interesting things to say.
1: Oh. <laughs> so now we do story time. Uh-oh. I don't know. This one's hot. Okay. And um Melissa Skalicki I'm sorry. Well, how do you say the name correctly? Skolitsky, Skolitsky. I I missed that check. Well, okay. Skolitsky. That's right. And I've been saying it wrong for months. So forgive me.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. So um. Yeah, tell us uh, you know, a little about yourself and oh. where you're from, how you got here. Oh, okay.
2: Uh, well, my, my name is uh, Ed Davis. I'm a recently retired pastor. Um, I served a number of congregations in Illinois, but most recently, St. John Lutheran Church in Aurora, Indiana, which is in the southeast corner of the state. It's near Cincinnati, and served there until this past July. And um, my wife and I, Becky, we have three children, and our middle child, uh, Joel, is a member here at Advent with his wife, Mary. So we are connected with, with them.
1: And, and fun fact, Pastor McKay married them before he came here. That's true. So it's, it's like everything's just falling into place. Yes. And, and then they moved in like four houses down from
2: Almonds. Yeah, we're so. neighbors with the almonds. <laughs> over there.
1: How does this work?
2: Yeah, but uh, yeah, Pastor McCabe was the one who performed the wedding ceremony for Joel and Mary out in Nebraska, and so that's when we first met him, Nebraska.
1: There you go. So He's following you around. You want to add anything? I don't know. I don't have much to add. I'm a nurse, so... um... You too? Well, yeah, I know he is. Okay. <laughs> this is called a conference. We can probably get in-service time for this. I don't know if we do the right thing. For sure, for sure. Perfect. Um, okay. I don't have anything else. All right. And Melissa and Gene had business in... Gene's in Detroit. You should all pray for him. And. Uh... Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. But he, he is in membership with us as well. Yeah. So he just could not be here and, and had something come up. So, yeah. yeah. We're from Fort Wayne area. Um, We have five children. We have five grandchildren, and I'm a nurse at St. Vincent. I do transplant. There we go. There we go. Well, good to have you all with us. All right. Lord bless you. Okay.
0: Now, Mrs. Davis, you know, when when I meet to talk with you and your husband, you do all the talking. (laughs) <laughs> and normally, but that's kind of the way it is with pastors. When you get them up front in front of people, they go, 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 and you get them behind the scenes, and usually it's their wives that kind of run away with it. So welcome uh, to uh, all of you. Uh, we've got a number of other kind of new members that are in various stages and process. And it's just, as you know, it's hard to get people together on one particular Sunday or day. So uh, we're just kind of welcoming people in as they are. And uh, remember, as we do that, um, you know, being a member is about, first of all, your confession of faith. Secondly, it's your confession of faith that aligns with where you're going to practice your faith and receive the Lord's gift, so uh, from that church. And so that's why uh, we renew our confirmation vows every time we do that. Um, and it's good good to be reminded of those things as well. Okay, let's get started here with Bible class today. We are observing All Saints Day technically. All Saints Day, I I would hope most of you would know, falls on November 1st. Um, All Saints Day, Halloween, of course, uh, hallow, holy, een, evening. Um, So Halloween literally means a day before the holy day or a holy day, um, evening of the holy day. Um, And so, uh, you know, in our culture today, uh, Halloween has has taken on a little different tone of what it used to be. Uh, All Saints Day was... uh, First and foremost, a recognition of saints who have been, I call them historic saints, saints who have, have really been martyred for their faith and served the church in a very grand and glorious way. Um, and then there was a separate day It used to be observed in, I believe it was in the spring, that was known as All Souls Day. And so the Western church, the Roman church would observe All Souls Day. That was the day that you would remember uh, people who had died. However, the problem with All Souls Day, and currently, according to the, uh, uh, the, the Western Roman calendar, it's actually on November 2nd. So if you have any uh, Roman Catholic friends, uh, they actually would have had a special mass on November 2nd. That would have been Saturday, right? I think they've had a special mass for All Souls Day. Um, and where we would greatly disagree and differ with them um, is that includes uh, praying for the souls who are trapped in purgatory. Um, and so uh, we, we don't obviously buy that according to Scripture. Uh, believe, as Jesus tells us uh, in Luke's Gospel, uh, rich man Lazarus, when you die, you go one place or the other. Uh, there's no in-between. There's also no crossing over. So, uh, so when you die, you either have faith uh, or you don't. Okay? Uh, pretty, pretty simple uh, with God in that regards. Um, so, so now All Saints Day within the Lutheran Church has kind of become... Um, a combination of both of those dates, if you will. Uh, One is a recognition and giving thanks for the saints who have come before us, historic saints. And the front of our hymnal has a really good uh, kind of snapshot of the commemorations and the church here you can kind of look at that and remember as pastor Grady so eloquently preached in his sermon today you know we, we don't we don't pray to the saints we don't invoke them um, they you know our fellow believers uh, who have died and are resting from their labors and at the same time you and I are a saint uh, because we have faith so there's saints here and, and saints in heaven um, but we are called to remember and give thanks for them and I think sometimes uh, that's uh something we're kind of uh, afraid to do, I think emotions sometimes, we don't always want to tap into those things. Um, but uh, God calls us to remember our loved ones who have died. So um, this All Saints Day, as we sing some of the hymns, uh, it never fails, I, I tend to get a little, you know, big guy kind of choked up, you know. kind of, you know, force it down and not deal with it, but, uh, you know, and you remember and give thanks uh, for your loved ones that you'll see again. So there's great hope, and there's a future yet to come, and all these things are yours in Christ Jesus, so uh, never forget that. Okay. Any questions on All Saints Day or anything else that's going on before we get into Bible class? Uh, A lot of sports going on. How did Zionsville do with their championship soccer game? Good job, Zionsville. Way to be. Um, yeah good job. Uh, Lutheran High School was also in a championship soccer game uh, f- uh, and uh, lost two to one to Argus on a very cold night and uh, but they were a really good team so it was really good for our kids to compete and they there was a there was a chance (laughs) it it was really good they played really well so uh, football continues we don't need to go into that uh, all those playoffs and stuff this time of year and uh, that's about it so Purdue beat Nebraska yesterday a number of you came up and thought I would be crying (laughs) I'm not from Nebraska I lived there for 11 years so yes you tend to root for the teams where you live but you know I, we do have some Nebraska paraphernalia, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we're like Nebraska fans. So you're not gonna hurt my feelings, okay? Um, uh, you know, when it comes to that. So the big game I was watching yesterday, hoping and praying was Kansas versus K-State, the Sunflower Classic, because we're slowly getting things turned around, hopefully, maybe. And, um, yeah, and we've, we've lost 11 years in a row and they just steamrolled us yesterday. Oh, <laughs> it was bad so anyway let's okay let's not talk about sports (laughs) let's talk about the bible okay yes sir Thanks be to God for that. I just thought our music team was, you know, coming up with some special effects for All Saints Day. Things falling from heaven as if a warning, right? (laughs) Oh, that was... uh, So we truly had a drop the mic experience at Advent Lutheran Church. There you go. Put that on Facebook and Twitter, everybody. The mic got dropped at Advent this morning. Okay. All right. Let's get started. The Lord be with you. you. Almighty and everlasting God, you knit together your faithful people of all times and places into one holy communion, the mystical body of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that together with them we may come to the unspeakable joys you have prepared for those who love you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Okay, so we're on chapter 6 of Marquardt's book, uh, slowly making some good progress here. Uh, none of you have uh, complained, and many of you have told me you're learning something, so we'll just keep the pace we're at, and that's what you're going to get. You get what you get, don't throw a fit. Sacrament of Holy Baptism. So, review for last week, we talked about the word sacrament itself. Remember that comes from the Latin word, um, well, sacrament is the Latin word. Uh, we translate it in English as mystery, Okay. Uh, a Greek would be a um, mysterion. Um, so sacrament is a mystery so Paul says men ought to consider us uh, pastors those called and ordains as stewards of the mysteries of Christ okay uh, so it's it's their job to be stewards of that to give those things out they're not the masters of those gifts so don't confuse us don't give any more. Credit to pastors uh, in in that way, shape, or form. They're fellow sinners along with you, uh, but their vocation is to to be a steward. So much like an airline steward or a stewardess um, would be responsible for certain things, um, but not necessarily in charge of the aircraft. Isn't that interesting? And, and I think especially with our understanding of church in the Missouri Synod, where we're not Episcopal, but we're also not congregational, you know, we serve together. So um, you know, we as pastors don't, don't run the church. So if some of you think that, you need to come talk with, with us. Uh, we serve together. We have a president of the congregation. Uh, we have vice president, we have church council, and uh, we all work together in our various and respective jobs. And that's, uh, that, that's uh, very important to understand that, okay? Um, Marquardt goes on there and we're on page 87 if you've got the book I'm not sure what the page number is there the Kindle edition if you're following along with that but at the very bottom on page 87 he writes this Baptism and the Lord's Supper stand in a class by themselves in the New Testament so we call them sacraments meaning divinely instituted actions in which God has attached the heavenly gifts of forgiveness and salvation to humbly earthly elements Okay, so as Lutherans Traditionally, we have two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And remember, a sacrament is something that that God has divinely instituted. In the case of the Lord's Supper and baptism, Christ himself has commanded that. Uh, Secondly, forgiveness of sins is is proffered uh, or given uh, through this uh, action. Um, And third, there's a visible element. Okay, so in baptism, it's just regular old water. Okay. So I remember growing up hearing stories from a pastor I had as a young kid who spent a lot of time in the mission field. And he talked about all sorts of, of times where, um, you know, he, he'd come across an accident or, or he also served in the military as a chaplain. And, you know, one of his questions whenever he'd come across someone who was in a bad way is, are you a Christian? If they said yes, and they only asked a few simple follow-up questions, he would ask if they'd been baptized. And if they had not been baptized, he would quickly read Scripture to them, and he'd ask them if they'd want to be baptized. And uh, he actually had a couple of baptisms that took place right before, you know, people died. Um, and I remember as a young kid kind of thinking about this, I've, I've never had, I haven't had that experience in, in that way as a pastor. I've had a few times at a hospital, either with, with children and let, let's not even go into that. That gets me a little choked up, right? Anytime we start talking about stuff like that. Um, but, uh, um, and, and once with, with an older uh, 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 grandfather who had never been baptized, that thankfully uh, received the Lord's word, and, and I gladly did that. So, whatever water you have is there. But I remember this pastor talking about using radiator fluid, right? Because that was all he had one time. It's got water in it right? I mean, it won't freeze, at least if it's still good, right? Um, but uh, you get some extra protection in your baptism when you use fluid. Just joking, don't do that. And uh, don't, don't give it to your pets or your dogs either. And, um, but uh, you know, as long as water is there, and, and remember, it's the Word of God that is the power. Uh, that's the didymus, um, and that's, that's the dynamite. That's the power that is there. It's all in the Word of God, okay? Same thing with the Lord's Supper, so it's simple bread, simple wine, those are the earthly elements, okay? And there's nothing fancy pants about the bread and the wine, right? So, so last week we got home and my wife said, boy, you talked a lot about alcohol during your Bible class last week. And I said, well, I mentioned I went to a pastor's conference and there wasn't a whole lot of drinking and she said, well, she said that means that they probably assume that that's all you guys do when you go to pastor's conferences. <laughs> Well, I mean, not, we don't, not really. I mean, it, it happens, um, but no, not in that way. But then I, then I mentioned that we you know, stopped at a winery on the way back, and, and uh, Pastor Grady didn't buy out the store. He just bought some, some wine for his wife, uh, which was good. But we were talking as pastors on the, uh, well, when we were there, as we were doing some of the, you've done a wine tasting before, right? It's kind of enjoyable if you like that sort of thing. And um, uh, the cheese and meat trays, those are really good. I mean, I like the wine, but I think I like some of the meat and cheeses they give you or you can buy there. Anyway. um, Can I get you a shovel? Yeah, go ahead. To dig
1: this hole deeper? Yeah.
0: (laughs) But as we were tasting, we were like, oh, boy, that would be really good wine for communion. Right? And then we try a different one. Oh, that would be really good. Right? And, uh, and I don't know if I've told you the story, but my fourth year at seminary, I served a little church 90 miles uh, kind of west, southwest of St. Louis in St. James, Missouri. And, uh, and that, that's kind of, that central part of Missouri is kind of wine country. They grow a lot of grapes down there. St. James Winery, if you're ever rolling through on Interstate 44, uh, stop at St. James Winery. There's three or four of them, but the St. James one, in my opinion, is the best. It's also owned by Missouri Synod Lutherans. And uh, so whenever we would have communion at St. John Lutheran Church, we had... We didn't know what kind of wine we were going to get. I thought it was wonderful, right? Uh, because you don't know if you're going to get a dry, if you're going to get, you know, uh, you know a Riesling, a late harvest. You, you just don't know. It's just all, you know, and it was just, it was just, oh, it was just kind of a, a blessing of Lord's gift. So, so next week, we're going to start doing that here, you know. <laughs> So where I came from, we were still using Mogan David, right? And if you ever changed and you didn't use Mogan David, you know, you would be, if, if I ever wanted to get kicked out of a church in some places, that would be one way to do it, change the wine, right? Okay. So, but the point in all that is that, is that the earthly elements are just earthly elements, right? So, I mean, there, there are various traditions, well, you know, depending on where you're from, um, but that doesn't—that doesn't—that doesn't matter. Those are those are the earthly things. So, you know, bread and and and, and wine. Uh, that's what Scripture speaks of. That's what we should use. and so It's the Didymus, the power of God's word that now makes the body and blood of Jesus there. Okay, the third sacrament, if you will, it's often called the Lutheran third sacrament. Of course, is absolution. So, if you look at the way the Small Catechism is laid out, you start off with law, the Ten Commandments. You go to gospel, which is the Apostles' Creed. The Lord's Prayer then is literally worship, okay? Um, How God comes to us, how we come to Him, all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the other three parts of the catechism are simply the sacraments, right? Baptism, Lord's Supper, and then uh, confession absolution, okay? So confession absolution, um, does Christ uh, command it? Yes. Is it mandated? He tells the disciples to go out and forgive sins, right, uh, and that and the, they are to, you know, speak that law, and, um, and sins that are forgiven here on earth, you know, are forgiven in heaven, sins that are bound on earth are bound in heaven, so that's the power of the keys, so there's a binding key and a loosing key, okay, um, and, uh, you know, my contention would be that, you know, uh, we as a church are, are, are pretty familiar with the loosing key, we love to talk about forgiveness of sins, but the binding key, we don't want to talk about that too much, because that'll offend people, right, to bind them in their sins um, or to to publicly acknowledge that there is someone who is living publicly, uh, sinfully and wrongly. Um, And that's how it used to be in the church. Some of you older folks might remember that, uh, that there would be public announcements about sin. Um, And of course, the only problem with that is is people then would practice shunning in various ways. And that's not always the Christian way to deal with that. Um, And uh, uh, so there is a binding key and a loosing key. Uh, And so those are to be used, Uh, but yet there's no visible element, correct? So there's no water, bread, or wine. So that's why the uh, confession or confession absolution is, is, you know, kind of a sacrament, but it's kind of not, right? So it's kind of occupies a space. And everybody likes to tell a story about Luther who said confession absolution, you know, would truly be a sacrament when the church was really cold. (sighs) You can see the pastor's breath, right? Oh, I forgive you, right? And, and hopefully he's had an, an Altoid or something, you know. So that's why I have a lifesaver after every service, by the way, so you're not bowed over by my breath. Um, but uh, uh, so, so those, are the, those are the two, you know, three sacraments, if you will. And then Marquardt finishes up last paragraph, top of 88. It is not enough to define a sacrament as a visible sign of an invisible grace, and that's as the Reformed or non-Lutheran Protestants do, For as we shall see in the sacraments, God not only gives us signs, pictures, and reminders of his blessings, he gives these blessings themselves. So the sacraments are not just signs or symbolical of something else that's represented in some other different realm. Um, These blessings are the blessings themselves, right? So baptism literally does something to you. In baptism, you're literally clothed with the robe of Christ's righteousness. In baptism, your name is written in the family tree, okay? Or you want to be even more specific, your name is actually written in the adoption agreement that God has uh, begun and instituted on your behalf, okay? And He now signs it. He now legally adopts you, okay? Um, So this is want to see my book. I can buy you one, son. It's a good book. I know we're probably going slow for you teenagers, but some of us older people like to talk. Yeah, I'm I'm right under Christ's baptism as the source of ours. So if you go back to the beginning of chapter six, and then it's the next heading, Christ's baptism as the source of ours. Okay, maybe I need to pay more attention to you. Hey, there you go. Good job. All right. So the, the blessings are the blessings themselves, right? And so this is the thing, if you talk with people um, who, who have been uh, really inculcated with this reformed concept of, of symbolism, of representation right? And so if you go to a, a truly reformed church, and yes, Silverberg's, I know there's different branches, and we'll get to that, but you'll get this little altar. Where are you? There you are. You get this little altar that normally sits up front, and it'll just have in remembrance, right? In remembrance of him, or in remembrance. Um, and so, you know, now the bread and wine will be put there, but the emphasis is on this is all just remembering, right? There's not an actual doing that's taking place, Okay. Uh, and of course we would have just issues from a grammar standpoint with that because Jesus says this body is my or this bread is my body this wine is my right blood so you you can't just pick and choose which words of Jesus you want to listen to you know you need to take them all so uh, to be fair should we remember what he did yes should we talk about that so that's, that's absolutely good and right, to meditate on that, to remind our children. Um, same thing that God commanded uh, Moses to command the people. You know, these words that I've given you today, you know, are spirit and life. You know, bind them upon your forehead, bind them upon your heart, bind them upon your arm and your wrist, right? Um, And and so that's why even little uh, Orthodox Jewish boys today still will continue this practice of having a phylactery. You know what a phylactery is? Sounds like something that a story you're not supposed to go to. But a phylactery is a little box. It's a little box that's on your arm. And inside that little box um, is, sometimes in very small print, uh, uh, all of or a portion of the Torah. Okay. Um, So, uh, you know, the first five books of the Bible or sometimes... Uh, the whole Old Testament, okay? So it depends on the tradition of Judaism that they come from, uh, but inside that little box, there'll be a leather strap and it'll come up around the neck and it'll go down around the arm and go down kind of around the wrist, okay? Um, so many of uh, God's people took this literally when he said to bind them wor- bind the word unto themselves, they started to do that. And so some Jews today still will have that, okay? Our next door neighbor in St. Louis knows at seminary, she was a reformed Jew. her name was Sima Waxman, uh, and I, I still I, I saw her a couple years ago and I stopped back through um, Facebook her still and stuff. She's a reformed Jew, very interesting, um, uh, le- leads a, a lifestyle that, that I, I, I would disagree with, but you know we we were great friends with her and, uh, and her. What was uh, where's my wife? Linda never Linda and Sima were just Linda and Sima. They never really introduced themselves as like... They didn't have titles like husband and wife or anything like that, but they were great neighbors. And, and Linda was a, uh, was a Methodist pastor, a chaplain, and Sima was a reformed Jew, and, uh, and so their, their lifestyle was quite a bit different from ours, uh, but th- they were the best neighbors, and we let them even babysit the kids. We, tr- we trusted them, uh, you know, but, but, but obviously disagreed on a lot of things. You picking up what I'm laying down? Okay, maybe you have some neighbors like this as well. And so uh, Sima, one day, I'm, I'm over at her house or something, and and if I would have taken a call in St. Louis, we were actually going to go into business together and rehab houses because she was real handy, and we were in the middle of rehabbing our second house there. And uh, she said, oh, she goes, I got something you'll enjoy. She goes, I want to show you my, my phylactery. <laughs> you guys are horrible. <laughs> you guys are, all right. Now you're making me turn red, minute. <laughs> so she pulls out, you know, uh, this little box. I mean, with with the leather strap, and, and unrolls the little scroll, right? And and she still remembered because she still went through a, a bat mitzvah. She was taught how to read, uh, and so you know, and she's asking my help with some words. And I was at seminary at the times, so my Hebrew was pretty good. Of course, we had a little different uh, uh, um, uh, pronunciation on some stuff. But, uh, you know, and so, and that was something she still kept close to her. It was important to her. Okay. Very interesting. You know, even though she thought that, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, uh, could be, oh, let's see, who, that would have been 90, who would have been president then? Oh, she was not a Bush family fan. Um, Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she said Clinton might be, might be the messiah. I remember her saying that. So as a reformed Jew, of course, they look for the Messiah in various ways. And so the Messiah could be, you know, <laughs> yeah, we still had bottles of wine together. But yeah, anyway, you, you guys have friends like this or meet people like this, right? I mean, so you're, you're still going to be in the world, but not of the world, right? So don't be so, you know, judgmental right away that, I mean, we, we do live in a, in a free country now. You be careful, obviously, with you know, how, how you want them to teach your kids certain things, right? So when they were babies, we weren't so worried, but, uh... oh, let's move on. I've said too much now. <clears throat> I always do that. So, so, the, so the Word of God is literally the Word of God, uh, and, and the sacraments literally are that which God says they are, their, their life, their salvation, and that's, and that's a really big deal. Um, so there's also kind of some reverence and some awe for that as well. And so our, our, our preschool chapel this week with the kids, the lesson we were on was the Ten Commandments and the glory of God, the cloud descending upon Mount Sinai, right? And of course, uh, they've seen some amazing things as they've been rescued from Egypt. And they've had a pillar of cloud that has guided them uh, by day and a pillar of fire by now. They've had the Red Sea that's been parted. I mean, the Ten Plagues. I mean, you just do wow, you know. I mean, you and I, I can't say that we've seen that many amazing, stupendous, miraculous things. Can you, anybody in here, raise their hand and say, I can relate to all the Old Testament stuff? I mean, it just blows your mind when you hear some of this. River of Nile turning to blood. Freaky, right? So, um, you know, so they get to the, the Mount Sinai. Now. now, the one thing that really scares them, this is interesting. Even though they've had these ten plagues, God leading them in all this stuff, do you know what really scares the you-know-what out of them? The glory of God descending upon the mountain. And God says, come up the mountain. They won't go up the mountain. Reread this story in the Old Testament. It's very interesting. They won't go up the mountain. So who goes up the mountain for them? Moses. you got to do your Charlton Heston voice, right? Moses, right? So, so Moses goes up the mountain, right? Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's shock and it's awe. The presence of God is a big deal, right? Um, and so the reason I make that connection for you is baptism, Lord's Supper, absolution should be a big deal to you because we're talking about the presence of God, okay? Okay. That means a lot for you as you live daily in your baptism. You are literally, not figuratively, literally clothed with the righteousness of Christ. There's a brother pastor of mine by the name of Tim Pauls. Anybody read Pastor Paul's writings? Used to write some stuff on, I don't know if it's a website still up, scolia.net. And he wrote a little um, short story um, about, uh, I don't know what it's called, robes or the robes. And it was about these 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 two brothers that were you know basically given a robe by their parents, and they go out and they do little boy things. They shoot BB guns and they roll around in the mud and, and they fight over Halloween candy and all this other stuff. And of course, the problem is what happens to the robes? They get all dirty, right? Those of you with little kids, you remember all the what it's like trying to keep little kids' clothes clean, right? Or, 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 or some of you moms, you love the baseball coaches who insist that they wear white pants, right? You just love that because you love having to get all the stains out of the white pants. And so the robes, and of course, underlying this little short story is all about the fact that you and I have baptismal robes that get what? Dirty. And I love this little short story that Pastor Paul's wrote, and I've used it a couple times. Maybe I'll, I'll circulate it and give it to you uh, at some point. Um, because it talks about, one, how we get these robes clean, how, 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 how that process works, where the laundry is done, what that has to do with church, what that has to do with just daily dying to sin and rising to new life and faith, uh, you know, which is God's gift for you in Jesus Christ. Um, but you actually have robes on. Right now, you're wearing a baptismal robe. You're, you are robed in the righteousness of Christ. Go ahead and look at yourself. Just look around. Can you see it? You can't see it, can you? Okay? So, so to this world, that's, that's just too mystical might be the word. Or, or mysterious would be the word maybe we would use. And we believe it. Why? Because Scripture says so. It says we're clothed with it. Okay? Same thing with simple bread and simple wine. It's the body and blood of Jesus. Right? It, it's, it's still bread and wine. We're not saying it's not. Jesus didn't say it's not. But we treat it a little differently. Right? And that's kind of a big deal. When your sins are absolved. right? When you hear Christ speaking through your pastor. And then I would also say this. When you share the forgiveness of Jesus with other people. How big of a deal is that? Right? We're really good at, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Ah, that's okay. No big deal. We don't really think about the importance of I forgive you. Such simple little words. Okay? And especially for spouses that are married, (laughs) those words are so important. Okay? And when someone doesn't say them and you're looking for them, how do you feel? When you've said I'm sorry and somebody hasn't said to you I forgive you, okay, then you turn into a sinful Grinch don't you? Because you're like, they didn't say they forgave me. Now I'm even more mad than I was before. (laughs) Right? And that's the sinner in you. Okay. So uh, those are real. Okay. Any questions or comments on on any of that? Okay. All right. Christ's baptism as the source of ours. So the baptism of our Lord, and and watch where he goes with this. I think this is just just, uh, marvelous which opens his public ministry, is reported by all four evangelists. It must be of major importance. So we don't have everything in the New Testament recorded by every single evangelist. But the baptism of Jesus is recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Very good. So the first thing to be noted is that at the baptism of Jesus, the three persons of the most holy trinity appear together. The Father's voice is heard, right? Moses. Well, he's not saying Moses this time, though, right? This is my beloved son, Right? With him I am well pleased, okay? The eternal son, there he is, Jesus in the flesh, made manifest, okay? Standing there in the Jordan River. The Holy Spirit shows himself in the shape of a dove, right? Right? So a dove now comes and, and lights, uh, lands upon Jesus. Now this explicit Trinitarian theophany, and theophany means appearance or manifestation of God. Theos is God, okay? Phani uh, uh, is, is revelation, okay? Uh, or, um, yeah, let's stick with that. Or at Jesus' baptism, now this is unique. There is nothing quite like it anywhere else in the entire Bible. The same triune God now meets us in our own baptism, now pretend you're preschoolers with me, put your hands to your mouth and go, Oh my. So this same thing that now has happened to Jesus has happened to you. So this is kind of the, the shock and awe, the wow, this baptism thing, this is this is a real deal. Okay? Um, this this is this is a big deal. interestingly the precise formula in the name of the father son and holy spirit occurs in scripture only in saint matthew 28 19 and there is part of the lord's baptismal command so baptism is thoroughly trinitarian yet there seems to be on the face of it a problem here if baptism is for the forgiveness of sins do you believe that and if jesus is sinless do you believe that both of which Scripture clearly teaches, then what can be the meaning of his baptism? Good question. Okay. Surely it is not enough to say that the Lord was simply setting a good example. Now, I've asked that of other you know, pastors or people that, that aren't Lutheran. You know, what, what does Jesus' baptism mean? And a lot of times I'll, I'll get the same response on various things. Jesus is just setting a good example. Right? So it's the whole WWJD bracelet wearing, you know, craze. Has that worn off yet? That started when I was, you know, still in school myself as a little kid. What would Jesus do, right? So now you, you, as a Christian, need to think all the time about what would what would Jesus do in this situation, right? And if you can figure out what Jesus would do, then if you do that, then everything will be good, right? Or at least you'll be on the right path. Okay. The problem though is that, you know, that's all speculation. What would Jesus do? You know? Would you imagine Jesus had picked up a whip and gone to the temple and gone into a frightful rage and driven out the money changers?
2: Wapah! Hala! Get out of here!
0: Right? I mean, you know, as you have all these things that that you know, there are things that, I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You know? So, so we, we have to make sure, you know, the best way to always look at it is, what did Jesus do? Okay? Or, Uh, present tense what does jesus say meaning what does scripture say now okay Um, and uh, and then realize that one you have a lot of freedom in this life the lord promises uh, to be with you in the midst of all of it he knows you're going to screw up he knows you're going to make some of the wrong choices Um, and yet he's there to to pick you up and uh, you know sometimes you don't realize you're making wrong choices do you were you stubborn like that when you were like 19 or 20 and there were things that you look back on, you're like, that was really stupid. Why did I do that? Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> okay, okay, just checking. So, you know, and if you, if, you know, if, you know, if you knew then what you know now, we always like to say, of course you can't go back and do that, right? Uh, and then you can try and force all that stuff upon your kids, and they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, I respect my dad more and more each day. I gave that man such a hard time. Okay, uh, let's move on here. So we may begin with the clue he gave in St. Luke 12.50, and let's read that together. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how pressed I am till it be completed. Now the Savior cannot be speaking here of his baptism in the Jordan, which had already happened. He must mean that great baptism, which was to culminate on the cross, where it would be finished or completed. For Jesus, and you might want to understand this, for Jesus, baptism means the cross. And not just the cross that you pick up and bear each day, okay? And you might, if you're like most people, have more than one of them. You got a few crosses you're lugging around, right? Back in Lent, we were, were we putting, where do you go? Oh, do you leave? We were putting the cross away, or maybe we were taking it out for Lent. I took a picture of Pastor Grady, you know, carrying the cross through the narthex. I don't know if any of you saw that on Facebook. I thought it was really funny. Um, So for us, the cross means quite the opposite of what it meant for our Lord. Death for him, but life for us. So on the cross, he is the testator, right? The one who now gives the testament, who implements it. We are the beneficiaries, okay? Um, I could call on a few lawyers here to help us further explain this, but I think you get it. His holy life and death provide the input. The output of full and free salvation comes to us. And let's take a few more paragraphs before we close. Christ's baptism and our baptisms are related then through his cross. They are alike in that both his baptism and ours point to his cross. Yet they differ in the direction of this current. And go back to when Marquardt talked about the electrical current. And if you read some of his writings, he loves to use that analogy, right? Of current flowing a certain way in a circuit. And and that is just part of who Marquardt was. Um, so yet they differ in the direction of this current of salvation for they stand on opposite sides of his cross right so positive and negative we could call on an engineer to explain that to us but let's move on we may think of our lord's baptism as a great tide that washes the world's sins onto him and sweeps him and then to the cross it is precisely at his baptism therefore that jesus stands revealed as let's read it together The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, just close your eyes and imagine this. All the sins of all time, right? You've ever seen, you know, a flash flood, or you've been at the ocean and you've seen the waves wash things in, right? And now, just all the sin of all time is being washed, is being funneled, is all being focused there upon Jesus at the cross. All time. All right? And that's pretty powerful when you start to think about that. All sins, uh, you know, past, present, and future, all now are, are, are being driven, focused, pushed to the cross, to Jesus. Okay? So it is precisely now at his baptism, therefore, that Jesus stands revealed as the Lamb from the cross, however, flows to us the saving tide of our baptism, full of God's mercy, forgiveness, and life. And then he goes on, he says, there's an analogy from photography that suggests itself. From one single negative, many positive pictures may be made. Raise your hand if you've ever developed film before. I was actually in the photography club uh, when I was in high school. Um, I kind of like taking pictures. But, you know, if you're a young high school male, you also like the idea of a darkened room. um, But I better stop there. Um, So uh, the negative differs from the positives only in that black and white are completely reversed right? So think about that with the negatives, black and white, completely reversed. In the terms of this analogy, Christ's baptism is the unique negative from which God makes all the positive copies, our baptisms. So through the cross, his baptism is the reverse of ours. Let that sink in just a little bit. I think that's kind of, that's another marvelous section. So this biblical understanding of the relation between Christ's baptism and ours is solidly entrenched in the mind and worship of the church. And that's why we talk about this a lot, okay? And you you should hear us mention it, and I I hope you do, in in Bible class, in our sermons, because it's it's just a, wow, it's all there. So the ancient Christian poet, uh, Coleus uh, Sedulius, Spray or either of you in here? I know Deb's not in here. I'll have to track them down later. I tried to find this hymn, um, and I couldn't. It was in TLH. We, it didn't make LW or LSB. But let, let's read this, and then, uh, and then we're going to close with another epiphany hymn. You ready? Um, Within the Jordan's crystal flood, in meekness stands the Lamb of God, and sinless sanctifies the wave, mankind from sin to cleanse and save. So here comes the, the big wave of all the sin right? And all of it now comes to Jesus, right? And if you've been to the ocean before, what comes in must go out. And what goes back out now is cleansed and is sanctified now to you, okay? Uh, And you now who live in in all of your vocations in life, you now have the great opportunity to to serve your neighbor, and serving your neighbor is, is, is not just specifically being little missionaries that you've got to understand the doctrine tell them about Jesus. You just do what God has given you there to do, right? So, so if you're a bank teller, be the best bank teller. Make sure you give people the correct change and you put the right money in their account, right? Um, so, I mean, do your job and do it well. And in serving your neighbor now, God is at work in that very amazing way. Okay, let's close with, I've got one more hymn that I just want to focus us on. And we'll read the first stanza, and then we will pray for the day. You probably recognize this one, right? Okay? To Jordan came the Christ our Lord. Okay? And let's, uh, let's just read uh, the first, uh, first stanza together. Are you going to be able to fit it all on there? Okay. You know what? I've got a hymnal here, so I'll just look it up while we're doing that. You ready to go, son? Here we go. 407. Let's say it together. To Jordan came the Christ our Lord to do his Father's pleasure. Baptized by John, the Father's word was given us to treasure. This heavenly washing now shall be a cleansing from transgression. And by his blood and agony, release from death's oppression, a new life now awaits us. forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day and week in the Lord. Uh, I will be gone this week, taking a few days to go hunting in uh, South Dakota. I have had a couple of requests to bring back runzas. Anybody know what runzas are? So if anybody wants me to throw extra runzers in the cooler and freeze them, I will br- gladly bring them back. Oh yeah, Monty and uh, okay, we got a few of the brass. Okay, peace be with you. Bye-bye.